the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, February the 10th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on February 10, 1967, the 25th Amendment to the United States Constitution that deals with presidential disability and cessation that was ratified. That may become an issue during the Biden administration. We'll talk about that one of these days. Today in 1933, the first singing telegram was introduced by the Postal Telegram Company in New York. Today in 1936, Nazi Germany's Reichstag passed a law investing the Gestapo secret police with absolute authority exempt from any legal review. That's kind of like our social media today. Twitter, Facebook, same thing, basically. I'm sort of kidding, but not really. Today, in 1962, the Soviet Union exchanged captured American U-2 pilot Francis Gary Powers for Rudolf Abel, Soviet spy that had been held in the United States. Today, in 1992, Roots author Alex Haley died in Seattle. He was 70 years old. Today, in 2005, Britain's Prince Charles, he announced that he would marry his divorced lover, Camilla Parker Bowles, They said they'd get married in April, and they did. Also today in 2005, North Korea boasted publicly for the first time that it possessed nuclear weapons. Now, the United States knew about that sometime before that guy, Kim, the kid that runs North Korea, boasted. He loves to boast, as you probably know. But anyway, today in 2005, he boasted about his nuclear weapons. Today in 2014, former film star and diplomat Shirley Temple Black, little Shirley Temple, she died at her home near San Francisco. She was 85 years old. Today on 2015, NBC announced it was suspending Brian Williams as their nightly news anchor and managing editor of NBC News. They said they were going to suspend him for six months without pay because... He misled the public about his experiences covering the Iraq war. Well, interestingly enough, if they removed every news person who misled the public, there wouldn't be any news persons on the networks, in my opinion. But it's interesting how NBC dealt with this guy, who their guy, who was misleading the public, They put him out of sight for six months. Then they brought him back on MSNBC, their news channel that runs news 24-7. And that's all they do is mislead on there pretty much. And Brian Williams does an hour, I think it's an hour a day, his own show there. So what NBC is basically saying is that because he got caught and because it became public, they dealt with it. But not, it wasn't so much about the fact that he was lying to the public, it was just that it became, well, it became kind of a liability for the network. So they put him over. So now he's on the air more time 
but he's lying to less people because not as many people watch MSNBC as do their regular NBC news. That's how it rolls in the secular world. One year ago today, U.S. health officials confirmed the first case of the coronavirus among hundreds of people who had been evacuated from China. They'd been brought to military bases in the United States. And today, one year ago, U.S. prosecutors charged four members of the Chinese military with breaking into computer networks of Equifax Credit Reporting Agency. They stole tens of millions of personal information files on Americans. Only the Lord knows what they're doing, even as we speak with that information. CDC has put out a report regarding the coronavirus. They said since it arrived in America, depression and anxiety in America has become rampant. Federal surveys show that 40% of Americans are now grappling with at least one mental health or drug-related problem. But young adults have been hit harder, the CDC says, than any other age group, with 75% of young adults are now struggling with some kind of depression, even suicidal thoughts. Even more alarming, CDC says, recently asked young adults if they had thoughts about killing themselves in the past 30 days. One out of every four that was was uh, spoken to or interviewed said they had. 25% of American kids say they have thought about killing themselves in the last 30 days. The number of people who said they have seriously considered suicide in the past 30 days of all ages has increased most dramatically among the youngest adults, CDC says, 18 to 24. In Arizona's Pima County, officials have sent two health bulletins alerting doctors and hospitals in spikes in suicides. CDC says in Oregon's Columbia County, the number of suicides by this past summer had already surpassed the previous year's total. In Chicago suburbs, DuPage County, they're reporting a 23% rise compared with last year. And in the city itself of Chicago, suicides among African Americans has far surpassed the entire total of the previous year. What has shocked medical examiners in Chicago, CDC says, is the wide range of people committing suicide, taking their own lives, from a 57-year-old deputy police chief to a 9-year-old child. The 9-year-old child's name was Christian. On a recent visit to the cemetery in Richland, Washington, where Christian is buried, the journalist that wrote this article for the Washington Post says that he found two teenage girls he recognized from Christian's funeral. They were sitting there at his grave. One was sobbing. This is nine-year-old Christian's grave. The girl said she too suffered from depression and was wrestling with suicidal thoughts. She said she called a hotline, but the local crisis center had only 16 psychiatric beds for teens, and all were full. She was put on a waiting list. She told this journalist, she said, you don't know how bad it is right now. Almost every one of my friends that I know has thought about killing themselves. You know, in the book of Philippians, 
the Apostle Paul has much to say about our thinking, about the mind, and about attitudes. When you understand Paul's circumstances, when he penned these words that we often quote, you can better appreciate how he looked at life and how we too as Christians can look at life. Paul was not out on the beach on the Riviera somewhere drinking a nice tea, but he wrote the words, Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. He was in prison. But he did not let his circumstances dictate how his mind would work and how it would function. In a Roman prison, awaiting his possible execution, he wrote in chapter 4, verse 11, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That doesn't mean he was in denial. That doesn't mean he took on a passive attitude to say, well, whatever. Not at all. He looked and he said, yeah, I really am in this prison cell and I really may be executed for my faith. I'm not going to compromise my faith. But I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. Those are so powerful. That's what these kids need. That's what we all need is to have an understanding of how God works in a life and transforms not only our life and our habits and our behaviors and gives us eternal life, but God transforms our mind. That's why the Bible says, and Paul wrote, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your mind isn't renewing, you're renewed by something bigger than you, and that is God himself who created us. That is pretty hopeless. We're all sitting in a kind of a jail cell, like Paul, sort of. I understand the depression, the anxiety, but I can tell you there's an answer to that. And if you don't remember anything else we talk about today, remember, rejoice in the Lord always. Make it your motto, your goal, Philippians 4.4. 4. Sitting in a Roman prison cell, knowing he was going to be executed at some point, Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. Keep that in the front of your mind and your heart today. Well, Senate Republicans voted yesterday on the constitutionality of the impeachment trial. Some of them joined the Democrats. Although the Senate overall voted 56 to 44 that the trial was constitutional, six Republicans agreed in indicating that most of the GOP conference favored ending the proceedings. Most of the Republicans do not want to proceed, but there was enough vote yesterday to proceed that they said, the majority said in the Senate vote on the trial of private citizen Donald Trump, that it was constitutional for the United States Senate to punish a private citizen who used to work for the government. That's what they said. Most of the most and the best clear minds in America are saying, no, Senate does not have, does not have that power. But they say they do, so they're charging ahead, much like I guess the Reichstag did many years ago. 
Oh, yes, we do. We have that power. We can reach back in history. And we can pretend that he's still the president. They're trying to remove him from an office that he doesn't hold. But they're going to carry on. There was a lot said yesterday, but the it was pretty much all centered around, and I don't want to take a lot of time talking about that, because I think we can talk about more constructive things, but I want to keep you updated each day on this program of what happened the day before in this trial. There are not enough Republicans who are going to vote against Trump, basically, and vote with the Democrats to impeach him or charge him. I don't believe it's going to happen, and I've watched this very, very closely. I've watched what they're saying and so on. There are some Mitt Romney, of course, is you know, charging his little brigade of people trying to you know, become, I don't know, president, I guess, whatever he wants. But he's out there, you know, bloviating a lot. I have a real problem with him. And I don't know why the Mormons in Utah will elect him. I really don't. There's got to be a better Mormon in Utah than Mitt Romney to represent the state. But that's their business, not mine. But that's at least my two cents on that. But nonetheless, it looks like it's going to proceed and they, the Democrats will not be successful. The Republicans ultimately are going to prevail in the sense that they're going to deny the majority vote that's needed for the Democrats to do to Trump what they're trying to do, and that is to charge him with a criminal offense. So that's basically what was discussed yesterday. And what I heard from the right and from the conservatives is that they were profoundly disappointed in Trump's lawyers. They did not perform well. In fact, this one guy, his name is Bruce Castor Jr. He stood up and talked for 45 minutes, mostly about himself. So you can fill in the blanks on that. It was kind of his moment in the sun and he could reposition himself and get more and bigger clients going forward. I mean, that was the feeling. I didn't watch all of it, but I checked in on some of it on video. But that was the feeling I got, and people a lot more informed than me, Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz, he's a Democrat. He said he was baffled by the, and he, he, he likes Trump. He has supported him verbally. I don't know if he voted for him or not. I think he voted for Hillary. I don't know. I don't know who he voted for this time. I haven't heard him say, but he is a Democrat. And a, but he's a Harvard law professor. He said, I was baffled by the initial opening statement offered by Bruce Castor Jr. He said, an impeachment attorney for President Trump, he said his long rambling statement, which included at one point seemingly effusive praise of U.S. senators as gallant and extraordinary. He said like he was trying to make friends with all the senators in there. So that's kind of the tone of what happened yesterday. And I could talk more about that, but I think you've got the point. So we'll We'll move on. One of the ads during the Super Bowl has drawn a lot of attention for a variety of reasons. It's the one that featured rock star Bruce Springsteen. He narrated his visit to the exact middle of America while driving a Jeep. A Jeep's pretty American. The ad was supposed to be about the Jeep, but Springsteen was making a strong appeal to America to socially and spiritually come to this little chapel that stands, he said, in the geographic middle of our country, a chapel that he says is always open. And he was inviting Americans with all the influence that he could muster and speaking to 
tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people on television throughout the world, but specifically here in America. He said, let's all come to the middle. Let's put our differences aside and let's do the right thing. Oh, and by the way, buy a Jeep if you remember to do so. But don't forget to come to the middle. That was the message. The Washington Post said, this Super Bowl looked different from years past in many ways, but there were still some star-studded commercials, ranging from funny to somber. They always strike up conversation outside the big game. Well, this one certainly did. The Post went on to say one car advertisement struck a new chord by tapping rock star Bruce Springsteen, who rarely ever does commercials. But he makes a plea, the Post said, for unity to a politically divided nation from an understated road stop in Chiefs country, talking about the Chiefs who were playing in the Super Bowl, of course, Kansas City. The ad begins with Springsteen's voice over a visual and a long, straight road reaching out across middle America with a dusting of snow. It's a fantastic commercial. It's well done, well produced. It touches your heart. It was intended to. Oh, not not to make you buy a Jeep. I mean, although Jeep hopes they, they will, they've spent a fortune on it. But no, Springsteen was not about selling Jeeps. He was about selling a philosophy to America. The ad begins with his voice. This long road in this dustiness snow across middle America. Springsteen's voice starts, There's a chapel in Kansas. Standing on the exact center in the lower 48, it never closes. All are more than welcome to come meet here in the middle. It's no secret the middle has been a hard place to get to lately. I want to talk to you a little bit about the middle, about Bruce Springsteen's middle. This little chapel sits exactly there, as Springsteen says, but it's not actually in the middle. Not that I want to make a big point out of that, but, I mean, we should know. This chapel in the exact middle of the country isn't exactly in the middle of the country. Road Trip and other websites, and it is true. We I took a little time to check this out before I said it on the radio. They say the monument and the chapel were originally placed there on a trailer in 1941, but it isn't exactly in the middle of America. The exact middle is in a field adjacent to the chapel and the marker that's there. And the chapel's not in the exact middle of America because the farmer that owns the field said he didn't want people trampling around on his field and ruining his crop. This chapel... The original chapel was destroyed a few years ago. I think it was 2008. On June the 1st, they say, our little chapel was destroyed when someone traveling at a high speed was not able to turn at the T at the end of K191 Highway and totally demolished it on impact. The new chapel, one traveler says, now is a new building that sits on a solid foundation. I wrote an article about this today. And in it are a number of pictures of this little chapel and one thing or another, and the ad that Bruce Springsteen himself created and produced for Jeep. The new chapel, one person says, is something we're very proud of, but not many people know about it. Kansas Tourism Board told the Post, what an impactful commercial that resonated with so many Americans. 
We're pleased when Kansas is featured in a positive and inspiring manner. The Tourism Board website says call it spiritual or call it patriotic. Whatever reason, the people are fascinated by the idea of standing exactly in the center of the country. Well, Bruce Springsteen is counting on that. His ad concludes with this. Our light has always found its way through the darkness. And as the picture fades, he says, "Calling, I'm, we're calling for a reunited states of America. And he said, there's hope on the road ahead. Too many well-meaning Americans believe that unity is the goal and that unity is found in the middle. But the middle is not where the radical so-called progressive left says it is, much like this little chapel doesn't actually sit in the center of America. And that's okay, that's not a big deal, except it makes my point. The middle that they're calling you to, the siren voices of the left, is not really the middle. It's the far left that they have decided to call the middle and call what they believe in and what they advocate for to call it normal. Jeep says Springsteen was intimately involved in the creation of this ad, and he wrote and produced the advertisement score. This was to him about pulling the heartstrings of America toward the far left, certainly not about selling Jeeps. That's at least my opinion. Springsteen says in the ad, it's no secret. The middle has been a hard place to get to lately, between red and blue, between, between servant and citizen, between our freedom and our fear. But he's welcoming you to come to the middle. Be a good American. Be patriotic. Be a good Christian if that's what you are. Come to the middle. He says we can make it to the mountaintop, through the desert. What does he think the middle is? The promised land? He said we can make it to the mountaintop, through the desert, and we will cross the divide. Together. We're in this together. Despite his call for Americans to meet in the middle, Springsteen himself has repeatedly endorsed and supported left-wing causes. One of his big things in the last year has been transgender women, who middle America knows, and all of us who hold middle American values, we know they're, they're men who are confused. They're not transgender women. They're males. And they have a problem, and they need help. They don't need affirmation. They don't need to be celebrated. They need to be helped, lovingly helped. But he's been a big advocate for these transgender women who are biological males to be able to use girls' bathrooms. Very outspoken advocate for abortion on demand. At an Obama rally in 2012, he claimed he was grateful for universal health care, socialized medicine, socialism, a more regulated Wall Street. And he added, quote, I'm quoting him, Bruce Springsteen, who's inviting you to the middle. He said, I'm concerned about women's rights and women's health issues around the world. The boss, as his fans call him, and he would like to be your boss, he said, I don't have to tell you the danger of Roe v. Wade, and I'm concerned about the growing disparity of wealth between our best-off citizens and our everyday citizens. He is one of us. He's one of the middle. His personal net worth is $340 million, but that doesn't matter. He's just like us. He wants us to meet in the middle. It's the right thing to do. In 2016, Springsteen canceled a show in Greensboro, North Carolina, because the state passed a Public Facilities Privacy Act, which 
again, those those middle of the country kind of people, they were saying that they didn't think that boys should be going into girls' bathrooms. But he canceled his show there, and he apologized to his fans. He said, I have to do this. Because he said, this state is not progressive. They're not fair. They're not honoring the transgenders. He apologized to his fans. He said, I'm sorry that you've had to face this burden. But he said, to my mind, and I'm quoting him, to my mind, it's an attempt by people, meaning the conservatives in the state, who cannot stand the progress of our country has made in recognizing the rights of all citizens to overturn that progress. He said, taking all this into account, I feel that this is the time for me and the band to show solidarity for those freedom fighters. In Michigan, he warned the fans that he would boycott that state as well if they had a similar bathroom bill was for, was passed. But just before the 2020 election, just recently, Springsteen called for an exorcism in our nation's capital. That's what he called it, an exorcism in our nation's capital. You can fill in the blanks on that one. And he did so while he was, while he was playing very dark music behind his voice on his radio show. He told Australians he would leave the United States and move there if Trump was reelected. He was expressing some of the similar feelings toward President Reagan way back then. For those of you who are over 40, you probably remember that if you pay attention to celebrities like him. I don't much, but I couldn't, I couldn't avoid him. President Reagan was well-spoken, a gentleman, the great communicator, but he hated him as much as he hates Trump. He said some of the same things about Reagan way back then that he's saying about Trump now. There's more, but you get, you get what he means by the middle, the common ground. One could think that this middle would be halfway between traditional biblical values and the four left, far left ideas, but some well-meaning people, including Christians, are being misled by people like him and other voices who say the same thing. They say, as they identify as Christian, we've got to come together. I'm not going to be a part of this divisiveness in America because I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a Christian, and I'm not going to be a part of that. Well, what are you going to be a part of then? What is it? Are you going to walk out to the little chapel that is supposed to be in the middle of America and it's actually not? Put that aside. Are you going to join them in the values and the and the ideas and the ideology that they promote on the biggest stage in the world on television? Is that what you think God wants you to do? It isn't. There is no middle ground in the, in the mind of the far-left radical progressive. It's all or nothing. You will either compromise and submit to abortion, transgenderism, LGBTQ, and all the rest of their nonsense that is destroying people, or you will stand for God, and you will stand even if it costs you. That's where we are today. Abraham Lincoln, he knew what Jesus said. Bruce Springsteen needs to listen to Jesus. Jesus said, if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house be divided, that house cannot stand. He meant exactly that. And Lincoln said, we will ultimately become, he believed Jesus. He said, we will ultimately come, become all of one thing or all of the other. And in Revelation, Jesus said to the Laodicean church, because you are lukewarm, you're in the middle, you're neither hot or cold, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Don't be misled by Springsteen and all the other sirens. 
that are calling you to a destiny of destruction. Trust in the Lord. Stay in His Word. And thanks for being with me today, and thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow.